from the Kramer Basketball Headquarters in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You are listening to the Coach's Edge podcast, powered by Coach. Here is your host, Steve Kramer. A player's value is not determined by their playing time. A player's value is not determined by how many points they score, but that's what gets the attention. That's what gets a lot of the love. And I was recently listening to an episode from way back a year ago with coach Jaden Nichols. And we were talking about the importance of communicating to our bench players and to our role players on the team, because chances are whoever's out on the court, we're probably going to be communicating with them more often naturally. And so how do we improve the communication with those that we may not be uh, on the same page with throughout the course of a long season. And so in this episode, Jaden and I at Bowling Green, we talked about some of our own experiences as both players and coaches, how you know we've learned, how we're trying to continue to do a better job in our communication with players. And this is the first time we've ever reposted an episode, but I think the timing of it being in December, we've doubled our listenership in 2022. So chances are when this came out in 2021, if you're listening now, you have not heard this episode before. And even if you have, I guess too good not to share again, just the timeliness of it being December. We're, we're you know, a month or so into basketball season. There's a lot going on with the holidays. And this can be a great uh, reminder for how we need to continually and positively communicate with each and every player on our team. Because what our culture values as a basketball player should not be what we value as a basketball coach because as a as a basketball coach we value everyone what our culture is valuing is who's scoring the most points who's got the highlights who's starting and we want to make sure that we're communicating to everyone their value and that we care about each and every player and we want what's best for them equally while still guiding our team towards being the best that they can be Enjoy this episode with Coach Nichols, man. It's a good one. Coach Jaden Nichols, welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast. Thanks for jumping on. Absolutely. Always glad to be here. Coach, we're talking about communicating with more so our bench and role players on the basketball team. And this was something that I reached out to you a couple of weeks ago because it was really hitting home with some different conversations that I was having with coaches and players that I was working with alike. And it really made me reflect on some of my own playing experience, some of my own coaching experiences and how I could have done a better job, either reaching out to the coach and trying to figure out what my role was as a player, what they were looking for me or how in the coaching seat, I could have done a better job communicating to the players on my team of what was expected from them. And you have some really great things that you want to share. I think you're beyond your years. Really, I mean, for, for a person that you have things truly set in place that you're trying to emphasize with with your group. And uh, I know every coach, whether you've been coaching for a couple years or 20 plus is going to find some benefit from this. So first off, why is this aspect of communication so important to you? Yeah, I think communication is huge. I mean, having played basketball for a number of years, having coaches that have communicated with me has improved me or it's not improved me depending on how that communications happened. And 
I studied counseling in college. So I, I know the importance of having clear communication with people in general. And so it, that doesn't change in the sports world either. And so I know working with kids, especially who are, their minds are molding and they're figuring stuff out and they look to coaches for guidance in that. I, I know that's just part of my responsibility. And so I take, I really take responsibility to, to make sure I'm doing that with my team. So in this episode, I really want to share some stories from my experience, as well as some, some clear things that you can use with your program, with your team, if you're not already. And the reason I put the more of an emphasis towards the bench and the role players on your team is chances are because your main players or your starters are getting more minutes, it's easier for them to get a feel for what their role is on the team, what's asked of them on the team. And because they're getting more playing time, it's a, it's easier for them to be able to understand when they're not getting playing time, what that reason was. Whereas some of those fringe players, as you mentioned even before we hit record, it can be a little more gray. And so it's even more important for us to be clear with how we're communicating to them. So I wanted to share with you one quick story to get the ball rolling because I, I think we we learned from, from story and I have a, a handful that I want to share. But first off, when I was talking with Coach Matt Neal, now if you listen to Coach's Edge for a while, you've listened to Coach Neal. He was an assistant coach and head coach at Hope College for a long time. He was one of my college coaches. I had him on the show a couple different times. Two different times when he was speaking to me, he talked about the experience that he gained when he had someone come in and evaluate his coaching. And something that stuck out to him was during his evaluation was how little he communicated to some of the bench players on the team, some of the players that didn't get as much playing time, or maybe they played in some of the blowouts. And that was something that really stuck with him. He really thought about that and was like, man, why aren't I doing a better job of communicating to these players? Just because they're not getting the playing time doesn't mean they don't have the same value. Everybody has great value. I need to do a better job communicating to them. And so I started to think about what that meant to me and some of my experiences, both positively and negatively with communication. And so I'm going to share this story with you from a player that I've worked with. And they started out their basketball season starting. They were starting, started a few games. Things seemed to be going pretty well. Thought they were executing on the role that was communicated to them. Then not starting. Okay. Not really communicated, but just, hey, you go, you show up to the game. Oh, guess what? You're not starting. Okay. Not starting, not getting quite as much playing time. And then even goes to a DNP. And this is within a five, less than 10 game stretch. And now knowing this player, I give him a ton of credit because he reached out to the coach and was like, coach, what do you want from me? He was kind of the one that initiated the conversation of trying to figure out, I thought I was doing my job. Apparently I wasn't because I'm not playing hardly anymore. You can, can you kind of explain, you know, what you're you're looking at from me? And, and the coach did so. But here's the thing. When we're dealing with high school, junior high, even college athletes, 
think of everything that's going on in their mind, right? And how, how much value basketball has to them. It's a really important aspect of their life. So even though as a coach, things may make perfect sense to you and you have a clear reason why you're doing that, if you're not communicating that to their play, your players, you are hurting them. And you're hurting them from a mental, emotional standpoint. And, and, and here's the thing, like we've had uh, players come out, uh, DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Love, talk about some of the, the mental shape that, that they've been in, some of the pressure that they have in. Guess what? You don't have to be an NBA player to have some of those feelings, right? Players love the game. And simply by communicating and doing a better job of what their role is, what your expectations are for them, you're taking so much stress off of their shoulders. They value basketball so much. And the fact that they're going into a game or a practice every single day, just sitting with this unknown, like you wake up in the morning. And listen, I was a player for a long time. I know what it's like. You wake up in the morning, you're like, man, I don't know exactly like what's going to happen today with with the team what my role is and then you're getting ready for the game you're like man am I going to play today like how much you know what does coach want for me and then the game's over with and you're like did I even do what coach really wanted me to do I've been there it is not fun to live in that position it's like you have an extra 30 pounds you're walking around with on your shoulders and that weight can be lifted off by very few people Hey, you get some encouragement from your family. You get some encouragement from your friends. Hey, keep working hard. And you know, like, yeah, you got to keep working hard, maintain a good attitude. But if that one person, the coach, does a better job of simply communicating what is asked of them, it is a weight off your shoulders. It is a, a burden that is lifted off your shoulders. And now you can be free to go out and do what you do. And that coach may not tell you exactly what you want to hear, but because they told you, what you needed to hear, it's a game changer. And now you get an opportunity to do what you do better. I don't know if you want to pick up on that. No, I totally agree with you. It, it reminds me of how clear my own role was in high school basketball. I play, I split time JV and varsity. And when I was on the JV team, it was very clear. Coaches told me like, I need you running the point. I need you to orchestrate the offense. When I played at the varsity level, they just wanted me to knock down shots. And so there was two completely different roles, but I knew what those roles were. And it was really helpful to me as I'm going on the floor, depending on which team it's, it's on, I'm, I'm doing two different things. And also reminded me, I got to shout out coach Jennifer Roos, who was with BGSU for a long time. When I think about coaches who clearly communicate expectations, I was a practice player for the women's team. And coach Roos was taking the time to, to actually give me expectations. She's communicating with me and challenging me and, Coaches got me better when I taught when I share about coaches who got me better as a player I got better in college way better in a four-year stretch of college than I did in many of years in youth basketball and, and coaches is a huge part of that that woman challenged me to be better in my stance she taught me to be better with my feet attacking the ball defensively she taught me a ton and yeah I got to shout out her for just the way she communicates so clearly and concisely exactly what she wants out of her players and her practice players for that matter that's what I'm talking about is when a coach can come to you and be clear and it, and it rolls right into, I have three C's for communicating with your bench, with your bench players that, that I wanted to share. 
you've touched on some already. One, is it clear? You're not beating around the bush. You're clear. Number two, are you consistent? It's not just, hey, we told you what your role was before the season started. You're 20 games in. How come you don't remember? It needs to be consistent. And then three, concise. Are you to the point? You could be clear, but you could talk for so long with your clarity that players are going to forget exactly what those things are that you're trying to emphasize. So be clear, be consistent, be concise. And then my fourth bonus C is care. When your players know that you actually care for them, not just as a player, but as a person, everything else is going to be much easier for you with your communication with them and trying to get the most out of them to benefit the group, benefit the team. And so making sure that they understand you have their best interest in mind, even though you're telling them something that they may not want to hear. Hey, guess what? Like five minutes with, the, with our roster is probably about what you're looking at this year. Most players aren't going to want to hear that. But if you're clear, you're consistent, you're concise, and you know, they know that you have their best interest in mind. Now you're giving yourself uh, the best chance to, to succeed. Yeah. And I love the consistent one. That's one that I've added to my coaching. And I learned from after my first couple of years with players coming to me towards the end of the season, being confused about why things have been the way they've been. Players do need you to consistently talk to them. And so this year, what we're doing is, is we're meeting with each of our players one-on-one -on -one, once a month. And so there's a lot of games that happen month to month here, but there's, there's at least something put in place where we're consistently talking to them. And I just had, we, December started, I had two of those meetings the other day. I'm going to have two more tomorrow. And we're going to keep that rolling the rest of December before Christmas to make sure guys know what we see they're improving on and where they need to improve. And just talking about role, because that, that shifts. We play a lot, at least in our program, we play hot hand a lot. And so night to night, things look different. We typically have a different leading score every night. They're the top three scores. They're always different. And that's just, that's how it is. So guys are playing well, we roll with it and they know that. And, but it also takes still that consistent conversation of, of why are certain guys playing more minutes than others? What are the things that they're doing? We have to emphasize those things. So our, our program, we stick with just three basic things. And we emphasize these, if you're doing these things well, you're probably going to play. And that's this playing defense, um, rebounding the basketball and just knowing our playbook at least for the JV level that I coach, if you can do those three things, you can play. And I have 10 guys that do that. And so the bar, that's where the bar is. I've got 13 guys on my roster, 10 of them do that. And I'm communicating with the other three because I want all of them to be there because we get up and down the floor. There's minutes to be had. And I want all of them to play, obviously. I, it's not, I haven't kept guys on the team because I don't think they can play. I love that. You clearly communicated with your guys and it's on a consistent basis of what those expectations are. And if you can't meet those expectations, guess what? You're not going to play. But the thing is, those expectations that you've clearly had as far as defending and boxing out, we can do that. You're not asking your players to shoot, you know, 40% from three. Otherwise, you can't play, right? These are things that players can really try to take home, understand, get better at it throughout the course of the season. Because of that, you're going to get to play. You guys play a fast-paced game. You're pressing, so you, you want to put players in and out, uh, which I love. 
as well. And it doesn't mean that you can't play yourself into more minutes or a bigger role as the season progresses. It's a long season. But again, it's on us as coaches to be able to communicate that to our players. It's not our player's job to be mind readers. Um, give you another story. I'm in college and my least favorite year of college basketball was my sophomore year. All right. Least favorite year period of playing basketball is my, my sophomore year. And um, we had had, I think, four guys get suspended for some stuff that they did before the season. So they were out and they were four important players. And then we had uh, two guys before the season or early in the season tear their ACLs. Again, both starters. And then we had our third player who was the year before he was the league MVP. He broke his finger. And so he was out for a long stretch. And so all of a sudden, we had one of the best division three teams in the country. And now we got seven guys that had played the year before and they're out. And so you can imagine how difficult it was for the rest of us to try to figure out what our role was going to be on the team and how that was going to change as players came back, um, you know, one from injury, others from suspension, I think, so on and so forth. So for me, trying to figure out, okay, in the beginning of the season for us to be competitive, I needed to score a lot of points. I need to shoot a lot. I need to score a lot. Okay. And I did that. So I'm playing a lot of minutes. I'm scoring a lot of points. The team's still struggling because we're playing with like our third string and, and just kind of a mix of different players on the team, but we're competitive doing the best that we can slowly guys start to start to come back. So now my role changed. Okay. You went from shooting guard. Okay. Now we need to put you over at the point because one of the players coming back is, is better at the two. All right. So tr trying to do that. And I went from being a starting two guard to the starting point guard to who's playing like 25, 30 minutes a game to now I'm playing like before the game. I still remember coach coming up saying, Steve, you're coming off the bench. I was like, oh, okay. Like this is a half hour before the game. Didn't, you know, didn't see this coming. Uh, a little disappointing. Um, and then I played like 15 minutes a game the, the rest of the season. And it was really disappointing for me because, and I'm not pointing the finger at, at the coach. It was obviously a year where everybody was trying to figure out what the heck was going on with injuries and suspensions. So I'm, I'm not saying blaming anybody for this. I think our coaches had a hard time trying to figure out what were the roles on the team for different players and how could we use these pieces best. Um, but again, to, to share some of my feelings as a player, you feel the, the weight of your shoulders of like, I don't know what's expected of me, right? I was doing this at the beginning of the season and then the season went on, okay, I was playing the point guard and doing, doing this. And I, I thought I was doing a good job doing it. And now all of a sudden I'm getting, you know, much, you know, my playing time's cut in half and we're still not winning that many games. I mean, we were barely over 500 you know, for a team that's usually a top 15 team in the country, it was a really bad season for us. And trying to figure out as a player what that role is for you can be extremely difficult. And that's where it's important to have different coaches that come into your life and over-communicate if you need to. I'd rather you over-communicate than under-communicate in this specific aspect of the game. Be like, listen, Steve, you go in, you probably get about 15 minutes tonight. 
I need you to defend and crash the glass. Like just defend and crash the glass. I don't know how many shots you're going to get. I don't know how, how many plays we're going to run for you. Just concentrate on doing those two things. All right. I got it. Right. Maybe not what I wanted to hear, but we're understood. Okay. Let's, let's keep moving and trying to build that way can be something to, to move forward with. Um, I want to give you one more story coach, and then you can kind of pick on some of the things that, that I've shared. And now I'm putting my coaching hat on. I'm coaching at Unionville Seabling and we had finished somewhat of a disappointing season, regular season. And, but we had, we had some talented players. We just hadn't quite figured out. We were talking about roles. We hadn't quite figured out the best places and kind of playing time to put different guys in our team. But, hey, it's a fresh season. The state tournament is starting, and so we're heading into districts, and we're ready. So we're looking at our roster, and we draw the seventh-ranked team in the state of Michigan, team named Cass City. They had a big guy who went on to walk down play at Central Michigan. They had like a 6'3" shooting guard shoot the lights out they had a really nice team and they'd beaten us handily both times during the regular season and so we're looking at our roster we're saying we really need to change things up if we're going to have a chance to beat these guys and so we decided to take one of our starters and basically just put him on the bench and maybe he was only going to back up our other big guy for like five minutes a game and we were going to put in another two guard. And so we were basically going to go from a real big lineup to a more guard heavy lineup. So somebody who was a guard was getting a lot more minutes. Somebody who was our big was barely playing at all. And then we did that again with another position. We had uh, kind of a three who was more of an athlete type guy. And we instead inserted another guy who's a little more skill oriented, not quite as athletic. So we really had four guys on our team that were really changing roles in the matter of our last regular season game to our first round of the state state tournament. Well, we win this game. <laughs> we, we beat one of the top teams in the state by flipping, flipping the lineup. And then we go in, we end up playing in the district championship game, another really good team, a league champion on, uh, on the other side of the thumb. And we play them tight. We, we keep this rotation where we've, we've basically taken two starters and just put them on the bench and two bench guys, and we're basically playing them like starters, and we lose on a last-second three-point shot. That's how we lost the district championship game, like a heartbreaker game. We played up beyond our potential, in my opinion. So that sounds good, right? But now I'm looking at it, and I'm saying, I should have done a better job talking to those two guys who didn't get to play as much, right? And they understood, and we had a good relationship, and and – Similar to you, we would, you know, before a lot of practices, we'd, we'd all kind of get together, sit down, and we talk about the, that week and some of the roles and, and things like that. And I know it was a quick turnaround, but that's not an excuse to not have a conversation with those two individuals and say, listen, guys, I think in order for us to be the best that we can be heading into the state tournament, we really have to change some things around. And that's going to mean you're not going to get to play nearly as many minutes, but you're going to get in there, do your best. And yeah, I know, I know you're a team first player and we really believe that this is going to to help the team win. We had those conversations as a group, didn't really have it individually. And uh, that's a regret that I have from a coaching standpoint is 
hey, big picture, we flipped the script. We nearly won a district championship of it. Hey, great, great coaching, right? Yes and no. It's the relationship and the communication piece that could have been done differently. And that's something that I personally regret from, you know, some of my limited coaching experience. Yeah, that's, that's good thought doing the, I love the idea of, of large group communication, but then also individual. I think both, both pockets of that are really important. And that does remind me of moments like in my, in my career too, where we had moments where my varsity coach when I was in high school, um, he often would play a larger lineup through a first half of a season and then cut down the rotation the second half. And one thing I started to pick up on was that when that shift would happen, those one-on-one conversations weren't happening and guys were confused every year about what was going on. And if there just would have been a little bit of communication that could have gone a long way and could have kept some guys more bought in than what they were on the second half of the season. And it can be exciting if you're one of the guys that gets a larger role. Um, but it can also be anxiety producing too, if you aren't totally clear on what exactly you need to do. So that, that reminded me of that. And I'm just reminded when you, when you mentioned the, the fourth C, the care, um, I think about Coach Brock Bishop, who's on our staff over here. Um, he's, one, he's a guy that does such a good job. He's, he's not even just a once a month having meetings with guys. He's, he's talking with guys every day one-on-one about what's going on in their lives what's go- and, and how they're doing. And he even talked with one of my players recently who's been, who was frustrated with me about playing time. And he, I love this question he asked. Uh, he said, why do, you th- why do you think your, your minutes were limited? Do you really think coach doesn't like you? And again, this, this player now is, is fighting for me. And he's like, he's like, no, no, he likes me. I know he does. We have a good relationship. And so that got him out of the mindset that, that maybe there was some animosity in it and it took it back to basketball. And I think sometimes we got to do that. We, we do need to build our relationship with players. So then we can leverage that and just be like, Hey man, you know, I, you know, I care about, you, you know, I like you. There's some things we got to, we got to work on. And that's one thing I think about is not communicating things we can't fix. And so that, that's a big tall task. If you're asking a player to, to change his weight in season or to, to ask him to, to be bigger or taller or whatever, there's some things we can't fix, but if we focus on the things that we know our players can do better, that's going to help them in the long run. And a final thought I had too, I, I wanted to share this. I got to bring the Bible into it too. Proverbs 12, 15, it says the wise receive counsel. So for players, if we remember your coaches know something about you, they've watched you over a, a summer of basketball. They've watched you in tryouts, now in practice. They probably have seen some things. They're paying attention to the details a little bit more than we are as players. I can think about when I was a player, I wasn't paying attention to all the details of my jump shot during practices every day. I was just doing what I was asked to do. And so when I took the shift, it was a little bit later in my career to actually receiving counsel and not getting offended when my, when my coaches were challenging me on things. I started to get a lot better at a, at a, at a quicker progression than I was when I wasn't. It's definitely a two way, two way street with, um, you know, coaches can do a lot of the, the right things as far as initiating those conversations as a player, you still have to be humble enough to hear it. Even if a person like you already a good shooter, but continuing to hear and accept new coaching is what can take you to an, uh, another level. And shout out to Coach Bishop. I know he does an awesome job. And that's really cool to hear that he's having some of those uh, individual conversations and instilling the care factor within your kids is something that you'll never regret with uh, when it comes to coaching. A couple of thoughts as we finish out the podcast. 
emphasizing to your players that we're not equating your value to your role or your playing time. Similar to what you said, as far as the St. Coach doesn't like you, that has nothing to do with it, right? We need more size out on the court, whatever that might be. We need more speed out on the court. It has nothing to do with whether coach likes you. Your value as a person doesn't equate to whatever your role and your playing time is. Those are separate. Those are separate things. Um, and then from a coaching and player standpoint, come into practice every day to compete. Come into practice every day to learn. Come into practice every day to get better. Like imagine if I just go in as a coach or a player with those things in mind. I'm coming in today and I will compete. I'm going to get after. I'm going to try to win. I'm coming into practice today and I'm going to learn. I'm going to accept coaching. I'm going to come in to practice today and I'm going to get better. I'm going to chase more repetitions. I'm going to jump in and try to be first in line for, for the drill. And as a coach, I'm going to encourage my players when I see some of that improvement so that now that light switch is, is on. Uh, coach, coach sees me. Coach notices me. I'm getting better at this thing. Because when it comes to communicating to your bench players, especially, you're not getting the chance to do that out on the court during games because they're on the bench. So it's important that we communicate with them during games, even though they're they're on the bench, and that we're communicating with them with the improvement and the things that we want to see during practice because they out are, are out on the court during that time. And so that's a great coaching tool where some of those starters, those players that are getting 20, 25 minutes, a lot of that coaching that you're doing with them is while they're actually doing it. We got to get those reps in with our players during practice. A couple of closing thoughts from, from you, Coach Nichols, and uh, we'll shut it down. Yeah, I just want to reemphasize like setting expectations is so important. If, if guys are not clear on expectations, we can't really get things done because if, if we don't know what's expected of us, we can't get to where we're going. And, and with setting expectations, it's, it's casting the group vision of where are we going together and how can we hold each other accountable? I know that's not a word we've, we've thrown out there yet, but building some sort of accountability structure, having a captain on your team, or even if that is the coach, man, that, that can get us where we want to go. It can't just be the coach pulling the weight because we can't see it all. Like you got 13 guys on a roster. It's hard to see what everybody's doing. But if I got guys that care about what needs to be done and they can communicate it, that's part of my job is to teach guys how to communicate with each other. And so, man, it's, it's not like a, I wish communication was, was simpler than, than it is. If it was a step one, step two, step three, but it's, it's this fluid gray kind of area that we just have to be mindful of and just have to be constantly doing and figuring out and stumbling through. Um, but I think that, man, that's the difference. We always, I always say this when we're running drills, especially competitive drills, it's always the loudest and clearest team that wins. So it's the one that's communicating the best. I, that's who wins. And so if we want to be teams that win basketball games, communication on court, off the court, it's got to be top tier. No doubt about it. A silent gym is a losing gym. And, uh, you know, the loud gym that's communicating clearly is, is awesome. Review a couple things. Clear, consistent, and concise with your players. Emphasizing the care factor. A couple of things that Coach Nichols mentioned. I mean, he's having monthly meetings with his players and he's establishing clear communication and expectations with his players throughout the course of the year. 
if we drop the ball on that, we're really hurting uh, our players as individuals and from a growth potential standpoint. And the one thing I want to emphasize with, with a couple of the stories that I shared was think about the mental health aspect of communication. Think about the mental health aspect of communication. The players that you're working with, chances are many of them, they really love basketball and they have a lot of value placed in the game of basketball, which means they put a lot of pressure on themselves as well. And so as we take that into account, it's even more important to make sure that we're clear in everything that we're trying to have them carry out and what we're asking of them throughout the course of the season. So um, we want to wish you guys a, a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, a Happy Holidays, whatever it is that you're celebrating. Coaches, this is a, a time that you can really use to separate yourself, I think, from the competition with what you're doing during some of these practices right now. And it's a great time to communicate to your players what your vision is as you head into the new year. So, Coach Nichols, thanks again for taking the time to be on the Coach's Edge. It was a blast. Anytime. Thanks for listening. And as always, get after it today.